So, you never answered the question. Do you want her to stay or not? I appreciate all the advice. I'll let you know how it turns out. So, just between you and me, what do you think about Cassidy moving onto the station? It's a big step. A very big step. Well, hello and welcome to Tarek Noir. My name is Joe and I'm here with my brother Matthew and we're here every week to recap Star Trek Deep Space Nine. If you'd like to meet us on the promenade, then be sure to follow at Tarek Noir on Twitter to see our latest polls, memes, and other ridiculous tweets. Today, we are talking about season four, episode four, Indiscretion. The story was by Tony Marbury and Jack Trevino. The teleplay was written by Nicholas Correa, and the episode was directed by Jordi LaForge himself, LeVar Burton. So Matthew, how would you have advised Ben Sisko after he told Cassidy that spending more time together would be a quote-unquote big step? Woo! Uh, well, I'd say, you know what? First off, brother, you're correct. I would oh, say, I'd say, first of all, you're right. That is a big step. It's unquestionably a big step. It's objectively a big step. Everybody agrees it's a big step. I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, that's what Bashir and uh, Dax concluded. Both both Bashir and Dax agreed it's a big step. So first off, I'd say, you're right, King. You're right. Uh (laughs) Then then I would say, uh, but you got to fix it. You got to fix it. You got to go back and you got to fix it. And um, there's no way that you could like talk your way out of that. Um, it's a big step. It is. And you got to figure out uh, whether it's a big step that you want to take or whether it's a yeah. big step you don't. And if it's a big step you want to take, then you go back and be like, listen, baby, it's a big step. And I want to take it with you. I got big shoes. I got big feet. We're walking. Um, if, it's not the big step, if it's not a big step you want to take, then you've probably already resolved your issue. <laughs> Well, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we could talk about it later, but I was in a similar situation. Oh, really? To Ben Cisco, you know, uh, when my wife and I were first dating, it was long distance. And I recall when, you know, it was time. She was like, hey, listen, I'm going to move out there. I'm moving out to California. I'm moving across the country for you. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> You just all you can do right there is give a big Keanu Reeves whoa <laughs> and say, Wow, that's a big step. <laughs> I mean, even me having dated my long distance girlfriend June for nine years, even if we moved in the same city, that would be a big step. Um, even after nine years. But uh, you know, sometimes you just gotta make that big step. Sometimes you gotta, you know, take a leap of faith. Sometimes you just gotta yeah. like, hey you are the person you are the one that i want and i want to spend time with you and yes let's go uh help you pick out quarters uh in my apartment building Ooh, you're coming in this is you know this is my space also like there's so many things it's a big step because this is my space like i kind of you know yeah. these are my people we gotta you're gonna come in here all of a sudden i'm in uniform in front of other employees you know, kissing you in, in the mouth. You know what I mean? Like, Ouch. this is, you know, this is now like we're bringing intimacy into my 
my job. You know, it means that these people are going to look at me in a different way. Now, all of a sudden, I got to be sitting here like uh, like a fucking clown at Quarks trying to get advice from all, all of these people. You know what I mean? That I've been trying, yeah. that I've been like, you know, a surrogate father to. And now I'm like, oh, guys, what do I do? You know, it's just, a, it's a tough spot. Also, there's a lot of pressure. Like, she, she takes this job. It's for me. What if we don't work out? And then all of a sudden, she's stuck. That's going to be awkward. If this doesn't work out and she's got a quarter, she's got a quarter of the station. All of a sudden, it's not the same thing as breaking up with someone who's going to fly away. Now, now you're true. all in the same tight little space, and we all know. Listen, whatever beef we got, everyone's going to know about. Look at the O'Briens. I think that also it's definitely an indicator of how low Ben was feeling that he was seeking advice from Bashir. Like you have to be. Like, <laughs> The thing is, is that like he has a whole like, you know, uh, <clears throat> council of trusted advisors that talk to him in this episode. But like, frankly, uh, kind of scraping the barrel on a couple of them. I'm not going to lie. What I'm, this is what I'm saying. You're out here like, um, you know, what's been, what's been Cisco right now? 40? You know, is that what we're saying? He's like 40 years old. He's got a got a got a 17 year old son. And he's looking at this 25-year-old like, what do you think I should do? And I Bashir, feel- who's only ever been in love with himself and patience, right. well, is like, I- here's what you should do, Ben. I feel like... Can I call you Ben? Can I call you Ben? <laughs> uh, can I call you Benny? Um, I feel like he must have been really, really upset that Kaiopaka is still stuck on that planet in the Gamma Quadrant because it's not like he can ask Kai Wen for advice. Kaiopaka? Sure, he could definitely. I don't, have, th- like, I don't think he could. I, I wouldn't. I would like. I would hit up Kyle Paca for advice on some things. This would not be one thing that I'm hitting Kyle Paca about. I'm just saying, if you have access to a pope, you know. Yeah, I'm not as to this like, like, hey, uh, you know, Pope Francis. Um, so I said this thing to my girl earlier, like, it kind of like it was a little awkward. Like, what do you think? What yeah. do you think I should do? Like, as a man, like this dude's a, uh, you know. Uh, a, a celibate. This dude's. Um, what's the opposite? He's a he's a vocel. You know this guy. A vocel. A voluntary celibate. A voluntarily <laughs> celibate. <laughs> they have a much better vibe online than the incels do. The the vocel. The like, like, hey, give money to the poor. What? Uh, yeah, I saw. <laughs> I just saw like a headline that David Fincher was asked about um how the far right is like big fan of fight club he's like that's not on me don't don't put that on me i don't i can't control what the insoles are doing <laughs> that's not on me i made a movie fuck off Stop asking me about the insoles what a what a king uh the wachowskis are like that too like like wait you watched the matrix and you think that this is like your origin story well like, i mean okay. yeah and that's the thing about like the latest matrix movie where there are like points that i wish were different but I do appreciate, I can't remember if it was Lana, I think it was Lana, that she was like, listen, this is what the Matrix was about. Let me just like spell it out for you as plainly as I can. Stop co-opting my fucking shit. <laughs> and she decided to put that in a movie, which good for her, but... Yeah, it would have been her, um, I don't remember, is it Lily? No, only one of them worked, only one of them was worked on this Matrix. Right, I just can't remember if it was Lily or Lana. Yeah, I can't remember either. But um, did you see 
I I saw uh, Fincher's new movie, The Killer. No, I haven't it seen. It was good. It was really good. Okay. It's gonna be on Netflix, which is a bummer because like you really got to go. Uh, you know, you got really got to do cell phone down, lock in on this movie. I mean, it's I've... a movie. It's a movie that like you you're gonna like think. Oh, let me go to a second screen because there's like it's a lot of like you know just watching things happen, and so you're gonna be like, oh, let me. You're gonna feel the the desire, but you got to put that away. Okay. Well, um, yeah. It. So, <laughs> so all that's all that to say, you know, Ben, you're fine. It He's... all worked out anyway. You yeah. Know? Uh, speaking of all worked out, uh, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been recording. Uh, if anyone has been like, "Hey, it's Thursday. Where the fuck is my new episode?" Uh, thank you for your patience. Uh, and anyone who hasn't noticed that it's been a couple of weeks, uh, fuck you. Why don't you care about us more? Honestly. Um, wow. 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 I know that was that was a direction wow. that I decided to go. I am just kidding. <laughs> no, it's uh, just been a long <laughs> couple of weeks in our lives, and we just have not been able to record. So. That being said, we are back, and we are back to talk about uh, our good buddies, Kara and Ducat. They're on an adventure together. They're going in uh, and hanging out in sand, uh, a.k.a. Soledad Canyon in California. Um, Shall we get into talking about the episode? Yes, we shall. Okay. Let me see if I can get through this entire recap. Kira is tipped off by an old Bajoran friend that he might be able to locate, <clears throat> excuse me, one of the reasons we're off, we've been off is that I'm sick. Kira is tipped off by an old Bajoran friend that he might be able to locate an old Cardassian ship where Kira's old resistance fighter mentor was held prisoner. Kira sets off to find the ship, but is told by Cisco that the Cardassian government also has an interest in finding the ship and would like to send along a representative. That represent that representative being none other than the newly named Legate Ducat. No longer a goal. He is now a Legate. Along the way... Legate? Legate. Legate? Legate? Are you like, is this a... Is, this a, is he in the French army? Like the French resistance or something? Got a, he's got a leg up on the competition. Legate Ducat. <laughs> got a leg up on the competition. Okay. Uh, yes, it is French. Uh, along the way, Kira and Ducat have difficult conversations regarding the complex relationship and history between Cardassia and Bajor. When they find the old Cardassian ship, they also find 12 graves, one of which belongs to the Ducats, to the Ducats' former Bajoran mistress. From there, they pick up a trail to locate the remaining survivors, which includes Ducats' child born of his Bajoran mistress. He intends to kill her as keeping her alive would fuck up his political career, but Kira does everything she can up until the moment he is pointing a rifle at his daughter to dissuade him. She succeeds, and Ducat returns to Cardassia with his daughter. Meanwhile, back on the station, Cassidy Yates tells Cisco about a great new job opportunity that would mean the two of them getting to spend a lot more time together. Cisco freaks the fuck out and consults a ragtag team of advisors, including Dax, Bashir, Quark, Jake, and somehow Nog, to help him figure out how to get out of the mess he's made. He finally tells Cassidy that he is worried that getting closer to her will put her in the same danger that got Jennifer killed. She's like, babe, let me worry about that. Oh, and by the way, I did take the job, obviously. You're not going to stand in the way of me getting my bag. I'll see you when I get back, and you can help me pick out quarters on the station. Uh, and then they lived happily ever after. The end. 
of the series and of the episode. Okay. Uh, there was a lot that happened in this episode. There was a lot that we both enjoyed. Um, what worked for you in this episode, Matthew? You know, I'm going to start higher level first, which is, this is one of my favorite types of DS9 episodes and one of my favorite, uh, like particular episodes of that type. Like I love, we're just, we're just, it's going to be small it's going to be more character focused and we're just going to stay in this little spot. We're going to have kind of like a little soap opera E thing for our B or C plot. The A plot's going to be like also a tight, you know, little character study. And that's what it is. And this was just a really good Star Trek episode. I thought like from front to back. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a lot of different like story types that DS9 does. And you're right that this is kind of like a, a regular one that they return to from time to time. Um, but yeah, this was this was fun. Like there were I do have like a couple complaints, uh, which I'll talk about and what didn't work, but even then, it wasn't even that major. Um, the A story with Kieran Tukat was fascinating. I thought that uh well we'll talk more about how i felt about kira in this episode later um <laughs> but ducat was just uh the scene where they're in the runabout his acting was just top notch like he was just so completely marco lamo was just so completely selling ducat as a person and his perspective on things and also like us as viewers were like hey this shit that he's saying is bullshit but I also fully believe that he means it. Like there are times where you've got characters that are like, you know, peddling bullshit and they know it, but this guy is like, no, 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 no. I fully believe this. It is like, you know, Bajor should thank us because they're better off after the occupation. Like he really, really sells it. And that's part of the good. That's part of what makes this episode work is just in the performances. Yeah. Um, you know, my, what worked for me was just the Ducat of it all. You know, they, they recognize, you know, we've talked before about how Ducat is like the recur, the recurring character God, you know, of, of Star Trek, really. Like, I can't think of another recurring character in any of the other series that's more compelling, more interesting, um, more charming, you know, like they they came out here and the writers were like we're gonna make you love this war criminal colonizer and um we're gonna show you we're gonna make you understand how kira is able to tolerate this war criminal colonizer but beyond what the writers gave him you're right mark alamo like is just himself super just super charming you know like there's a there's a point where they're walking through the sand and Kira's like, you know, this is some bullshit. And, and Dukat's just like, oh yes, you know, like you are, you know, weaker or whatever. Then it's just like physiologically, like not, you know, whatever. And it's just like such a misogynist type thing that people say, you know, like men say this type of thing all the time. Like, oh, women are just like, well, they're just weaker. Like, this is just like science. Like this is a fact, you know? And, and they always say it and, like, but, but you know Simone Biles and shit like that, <laughs> right? But then, but like, like his misogyny is just so charming. Like you're not even like 
you're like, wow, that was like a really sexist thing to say. But and in this case, like the sexist, like also like racist thing to say. But you're like, but it was pretty charming, you know. Like oh, he, he has such a wink on what he's saying that like he's aware that what he's saying is out of pocket, and so he like says it even like more. Yeah, and it's just like okay, you but know. He's he is such a charming bastard, and I think that like the direct comp of his type of character in other Star Trek shows is Q and TNG, right? Um, where Q is that recurring villain that, like Dukat, he also shows up in the first episode of the series um, and is a con- is a constant throughout the course of TNG. But we get, I, I believe that we get more episodes of Dukat and TS9 than we get of Q and TNG. For sure, I think. But also, fine. I think there are so many more layers to Dukat as a character that we see in DS9 that we see in of Q and TNG. Like one of the things that Picard season two was attempting to do is provide more layers of the Q character and also the adding more complexity to the Q and Picard relationship. But well, anyways, we can, we could say if it worked or not, but I know that a lot of people it did work for. I think that, it would have been interesting if they had done that kind of um, deepening of the characters and their relationship in TNG, you know. But then again, I mean, they didn't. And then we got Dukat in DS9. So I guess that works out for us, you know. Yeah. No, it's... Um, I guess we can, we can... We can get to it. Like, Dukat's also my bad. Well, let me just say that I think that before you say that part, um, one of this is kind of like what I like about this episode, but also over the course of the series, is that one of the most compelling relationship dynamics is the relationship between Kira and Dukat um, over the course of the entire series. And that's not, you know, not spoiling anything. He is around for a very, very long time. And from the very first episode, we understand that Kira fucking hates this guy's guts, right? And and rightfully so, because he is the oppressor, because he is responsible for so much death and torture and trauma and, like, just horrible shit. Like, it makes sense that Kira is like, fuck this guy. Um, but at the end, but the same time, there is this certain respect that Dukat has for Kira that is expressed in this episode in part because of her experience in the Shikar resistance cell, right? The fact that she was so elusive to him and she even reveals like a couple of their tricks that they used and he can't help but just be like, all right, cool. Game sees game. I respect you. That's rad. But then also they have their little moment where just like a moment of levity between uh, Kira and Tukat, where Tukat sits on like a thorn or whatever. I mean, a large thorn. Yeah. Let's be real. That was right. a very large thorn. And they're just like bawling over laughing. And there's, it's not like a full 180 degree turn in this episode, but there's like a couple degrees turn of how Kira sees Tukat, right? Between their experience of being able to laugh, between their experience of her seeing Zial, uh, Dukat's daughter, and the fact that Dukat saved her life, even though he was right about to kill her, 
and also the fact that she knows that this could cost him everything. There is a certain part of him that's like, okay, I'm not going to completely change how I feel about him, but I'm going to acknowledge that there's like other sides to him. And that continues. It's it's a little bit of like back and forth. There are definitely going to be future episodes where she's like, nope, I'm right back on fuck this guy forever and always. But then there's times where it's just like, okay, I'm just going to understand that this is a complex relationship. Um, and I think it's very fascinating. It it really is. Um, they're really complicated. And again, they just make, they kind of, take this man who we know to be an absolute monster and it's just like what if this monster monster, what if this monster were like you know all and charming (laughs) you know um yeah like like would would you know you know like they're like uh would question mark you know like with uh with this guy yeah, um, I'll just say that what didn't work for me in this episode was just like the moving from location to location to search for a thing that will take us to the other thing. That was a little bit like, you know, plot requirement of like, we just have to get them from point A to point B to point C. That part was a little bit annoying, but also at the same time, it gave us great the, conversations, so it's okay. The Rogue, the rogue One. Yeah, the Rogue One, the Mandalorian, like, yes. Uh, anyway, so what what about Ducat didn't work for you in this episode? Uh, the, like, re- redeeming of a war criminal. You know, the, the <laughs> this is a thing. So, that, so they take this guy who we know to have been in charge of this, like, slave labor plant, Tariff Noor. Um, they say that he was like personally in charge of like all these troop movements, all this stuff, all this torture, you know, as Kira said, you know, rape, murder, like all of that. Like he's he's the guy. And he's he's uh someone who, you know, they, they do it in a very interesting way. He's he's like um he's not just a like cartoonishly murderous person he's out here like you know like actually like i've come to respect the majorans i respect you you know you but he gives the the colonizer logic of it like you were savages before and now through our actions you're civilized and that's the that's the same type of rhetoric like redemptive rhetoric that we use all the time for imperial powers right like um listen the majority of americans when you get down to it they'll still deny this the majority of americans absolutely believe that um slaves were better off being brought here than they would have been if they were left in africa whether that's because they get you know the redemptive blood of christ or it's because they got you know civilized or whatever like that is the logic right like we talked about that logic at the beginning when it came to the lands like you guys aren't um like why shouldn't this land belong to us you're not doing anything with it like we're gonna do something with it and it's the same thing with like you people were weak and superstitious and now you're now you are as uh like savage as we are really like 
because the, you know now you are as capable of fighting as we are and um you know that's that's the same logic i watched this uh little documentary thing on um hbo called white saviors and it was like the same logic of like the missionaries who were you know going to uganda and were just like listen these people like don't know anything they're they're like savage like we're 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 civilizing them and even when we kill them that's civilizing them because that's making them stronger yeah right right and um but it's the the actual the, the act of humanizing this guy is done through like well he's a good hang and he's got a child so like can you like you know Cardassians they love family and they do it the same like the nuclear family is such a thing like you know for the the west or whatever and that's a way that so many of the west um, genocidal crimes are covered up and papered over is well this is for the family like we do this to protect our family we're doing this to whatever and you end up taking a guy like Dukat who's who should be in the Hague and you you're able to like live with him but like we do that all the time where you know like hey we need a book on leadership who are we going to go to like look at look at Winston Churchill Winston Churchill was Hitler to India you know what I mean like he's responsible for four million deaths down in India um hey look at all these presidents that were able to be like like we have we have does like more over a dozen U.S. presidents who owned pe- human beings Mm-hmm. We had more U.S. presidents who were involved in genocide and just would speak about it like very openly. These people are savages. They don't like like the actual like the word like if you went back and you read what any of like U.S. presidents are saying about people, you, like it, it's sh- like shocking how bad. But you can just like you take them through like, hey, listen, what are we gonna do? Like, be mad at these guys? Like then we'd have to look at us. Like it's the same thing with like. We're going to take stuff out of history books because it might make kids feel bad about like your nation's history. And so like you just the whitewashing, the whitewashing machine is always turning. And it's just interesting to see it turn here. Like even in this fictional universe, it's turning where it's like, hey, listen, this guy did this guy did imperial crimes. But like we also understand that that's just what civilized countries do. And sometimes it goes too far. And like it's it's a bummer. I mean, there's there's the aspect of it from like a narrative standpoint, from like a TV making standpoint, it does make for good drama, right? But like, mm-hmm. it's also just reinforcing, as you say, the thing that happens every day that has been happening through history. That's happening literally today, <laughs> you know, Liter- literally uh, today. <laughs> not to, uh, I, I mean, yeah, obviously to pull in current events, like it is literally happening today where we're just humanizing uh genocidal monsters um we're, and it's and, and i want to be careful with like that it's not that we're humanizing them like it's that we're like we're justifying these actions through we're dehumanizing right. we're dehumanizing their victims of like yeah you know by using passive language like an explosion killed whatever like yeah. what exploded where yeah. did that explosion come from how did it like you know, an explosion they- an explosion just like walked in and was like, ha, got y'all, blew himself up. They just they just happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time. It could have happened to anyone, honestly. <laughs> we happened to be in a refugee camp at the time. 
in an explosion walked in and and it just like suicide bombed all yeah. these people in the several thing. times several times it, it happened it, fucking it it's out. it's interesting like with where you have kira um now, now that we're like transitioning to this kira <laughs> is a terrorist you know yeah. but she's like and again we've talked before about how star trek's like you know the terrorism or freedom fighter is really just like a matter of perspective and really just a matter of like do we like these people or not you know and um you know we're like some people some people killing civilians is terrorism other people killing civilians is defending themselves but the people who we call terrorists are the ones who have literally zero options you mm-hmm. know and like and not to say like what what everybody did or whatever is like a like a good thing but like you we are talking about like asymmetrical power structures and people who have people who have options and people who don't have options right and um you just try to like flatten it all out and be like who's to say it's a complicated thing you know what are you gonna do but you know akira type who's like listen um we're not just gonna sit here and take the exploitation that the Cardassians are bringing upon us we're not just going to like we're not just going to sit here and die under their boot like we're going to die either way we're going to die standing up yeah yeah and we're like oh good for Kira with that it's the same as you know uh 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 one way out you know like kind of thinking about Andor as well of just Mm -hmm. like you know, if I'm going to die either way, I'm going to go like I'm going to die on my feet and I'm going to die, um, you know, overtaking the oppressor. Right. You know, I think that right. what's kind of funny about, you know, thinking of there's I mean, there's a more overt parallel between Star Trek and Star Wars being the whole brain outfit is very <laughs> right. explicitly reminiscent of Leia's uh, uh, like bounty hunter guard outfit and Return of the Jedi when she's rescuing Han. Um, and the fact that in both scenes they're rescuing people, like it's very, you know, on the nose. But I think that one of my favorite things about Star Wars is that, um, you know, in in various interviews, George Lucas is like, you know, the rebels are not America, right? <laughs> it's they're, right. They're they're very much not America. Uh, <laughs> we literally had people indigenous to a planet fighting with sticks and stones in the bush they were in the forest they were like they were literally doing guerrilla warfare like, I, you know that we made little teddy bear vietnamese right like <laughs> i don't think he said that in an interview did, did he not say that okay yeah. I, I must have misread that all right yeah but i i also laugh at like there's the character saw guerrera which is guerrera gorilla like it's it's, yeah. it's all there you know, but at the same time, everyone's like, well, no, the Empire are the bad guys. So that's that obviously can't be us. It's like, no, it's very much the colon it's the colonizers. The Empire are the colonizers, and they are the oppressors, which is historically been America throughout uh, throughout a lot of history. Um yeah, like I'm sorry guys, but uh we're the baddies. Like we're we're, we're absolutely the baddies. Um, it's like kind of connecting it here is that it's it's that kind of similar parallel of like we want to be able to or the average viewer of well okay so it's like a complicated relationship that we have with 
popular entertainment, right? There's the word entertainment in there. We want to just be entertained. We really don't want to think about things. We really don't want to like do a deep dive and, and analysis of every episode of a series. Um, and we don't really want to be challenged with how we view things, right? And so we're it's very easy to look at, you know, the Cardassians as, oh, they're the space Nazis. But then when you have to like, well, but like, is is it actually like a different kind of thing? Like, is Kira and the Bajorans a little bit more aligned with Palestine? Or like it's that right. becomes a little bit more um to use the term complicated and complex uh, <laughs> for the average viewer. But like, as you said, she's literally referred to as a terrorist on a regular basis. And there are very clear parallels of colonization and genocide from one of those groups um right and uh and, yeah yeah and that's like you know there's so many so many examples of like this is the way that um you know western power works over the global south um and you know it's exploitive exploitative it's drawing out resources it's drawing out labor and it's leaving them with nothing. And whenever people want to like challenge that system and want more, they they swing through, and that's where like the murder and the rape, like the rape happens. Like, yeah, and also not to mention like the propaganda machine starts working up as to mm. trying to resist us. You're a terrorist, or you're X Y Z. You know, that was one of the interesting things that I found from the conversation that they had in the runabout where, you know, Ducat's like, well, why are you here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kira says, and it's like, oh, like, you're going to be like, make fun of me that's like a personal reason or whatever. And he's like, no, I find that when tasks are especially difficult, having personal reasons is helpful. And that's how, like, and you can see that with the way that we... Like the like, and that's where you know there's a parallel here again with like, you know, Palestine Palestinians being bombed, you know, every day. Look at how much work world leaders and the media is doing to try to make that seem like okay and fine and good, yeah. you know, like and make it and make it a personal reason. Like, oh well, if you are, um, you know, and it's like it goes from being like tried like the rhetoric is it's all so recycled so we've got the like um terrorism side of things where it's like well you know hamas is like they're using human shields and like the hillary clinton side like hillary clinton just gave an interview and was like a ceasefire like you don't want to do a ceasefire that just means you don't understand hamas if there's a ceasefire then they can like regroup and so i'm like oh so you're just like you got to keep killing civilians to keep them on the ropes and it's fine because the civilians don't really matter because they're not p- real people. They're not people as r- real as we are or as people as we are. They're like some some type of like lesser chattel that can be that can be churned out in order to get to our goal. Like, yeah, you're gonna have to kill some civilians. That's how you gotta you gotta break some eggs to make an omelet. It's what basically everyone's saying, like. They've had, you know, Israeli commanders came on. Wolf Blitzer's like, you know, you're dropping bombs on civilians, right? And he's like, well, I mean, you know, it's unfortunate, but it's war. And you've got, like, that side of things. Then, in order to make it more personal, you've got that if you're against 
Israel dropping bombs on children, then you're anti-Semitic and it makes it dangerous for Jews. And it's like, that's where it gets especially uncomfortable for me. Cause I'm like, that's, it's dirty to do that to the name of like on the, you, like you're basically using the names of like actual victims of anti-Semitism for this like fake anti-Semitism. Like, so they're like any, any, um, disagreement or criticism of what Israel's doing in exterminating the whole peoples is the, is equivalent to, you know, anti-Semitism. Like, well, what about, you know, the Jews, like Holocaust? I'm like, yeah, like it would suck to be, to, to be villainized and murdered through like this anti-Semitism and, and everything else. And then to have people turn around and be like, use your dead, like use you dead person to justify killing these other people and to justify like stamping out any type of criticism. Like, like that to me, that's, that's some nasty work, you know? Um, for sure. But yeah, but that it's like, how do we make this personal for people or, you know, the opposite of that, make it impersonal of the people who are victimized but this is like that that does allow you to get through the difficult work of hey we're gonna go in here and we're gonna have to like we're gonna bomb like hospitals and children that's difficult work to do so you have to do a lot of work to get you conditioned to be able to accept that and be like yeah it's dirty business but it's good and i think that that's something that's very very reflected in my card like in how we in how this show depicts cardassia and also to yeah like Dukat absolutely sees this whole thing as necessary, and even is like, "See, you're better off because I did it." Dukat, Dukat absolutely believes that too. Like, I'm sure that he does believe that he's like, "Look, you're the part of new Bajor. You're I mean, the new Chris, type of Bajoran who could defend themselves." The Bajorans we came in, like when we came into Bajor, y'all were weak yeah. and we took you over with no problem. But now look at you. I think there's an episode in season six. I think it's called The Waltz. Um, that like leans into this aspect of Zucat even more aggressively. And it's not necessarily, I mean, it kind of is his like point of no return, right? Like there's just, mm -hmm. you know, this show, I mean, this is, I'm not, you know, completely spoiling things, but like this show does do a lot of work at humanizing monsters. But then yeah. there is one episode later that they're like, eh, never mind. Just, just in case y'all forgot, like this dude is a no. He actually monster. is a monster. Yeah, the, and and with Ducat, like again, there's like minor spoilers here, but he does become a literal monster at the end. Yeah, he does. Like yeah. you know, you know, like like legitimately, like <laughs> it's the whole, the Lado Wachowski. Do you see what we're doing here? <laughs> right. This is very clear <laughs> and explicit. He is very explicitly a monster. <laughs> yeah, like they they do that. Yeah, they do that at the end. You know, so like that's why you know. I'm not mad at it. The other thing that I, that I do think needs to be mentioned is the um, the tension of liking this guy who's also a monster and even Kira being able to like work with this guy who she hates but you know like he's so charming he's so whatever is like and I do want to say that the writers do like keep that tension there. They're not, they're not saying like, oh, this guy's good. Oh, they're just sure. saying like, right, like I'm not, I'm not saying that they're saying that. 
but one of the things that does complicate it and is kind of um is kind of the embodiment of this tension is the fact that Mark Alamo like made um none of his visitor like super uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And was like, you know, maybe a sex pesty or like what like he was just like so I imagine that he smells like the Marlboro man at all times. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> like I Probably. like I feel like I could smell cigarettes when I'm watching this show. But um like like he was someone who made her like uncomfortable based on like because of what the things that he was doing and her still having to like work with him and be in these scenes with him um she talked about it in that um what we left behind. Not, yeah what we left behind and i th- i think that that's something that's um a component of what we're what we're watching there oh for sure i mean and that's i think one of the fascinating things about um you know learning kind of like behind the scenes information about actor dynamics and actor mm-hmm. you know, whether actors liked each other or didn't like each other that kind of thing it's it's a testament to like the actor's ability to act but also it is a certain amount of like that must have bled in right like Jerry Ryan and uh uh shit, what is Janeway's actor's name? Uh Kate, the actor Kate, Kate Mulgrew. Um, yeah. yeah. Jerry Ryan and Kate Mulgrew had very much active tension theories. <laughs> very much beef. What's beef? Yeah. But also <laughs> at the same time, every single one of their scenes, like that's you know, I Voyager's not my favorite series. Uh, last weekend, I met someone at a wedding who she said that her favorite, or her favorite show is Voyager, but she does recognize that it's not the best, which I appreciate. She's like, "I love it. It's not. It's not the. It's it's not the most attractive child, but it's my favorite child, kind of thing." And but what makes those last few seasons is the relationship between Seven and Janeway in part because there are the times where it's like they are close, like super close, right? Like mentor and mentee. But then there's the times where they are pissed off at each other in the show. And it's like, oh, cool. So we just brought in real life tensions and we put it in the show. And now that shit is electric as hell, you know? Yeah. Interesting when that kind of stuff happens. I mean, it's not, I'm absolutely not advocating for, you know, Mark Alemo to be, addicted to Nana visitor absolutely not but you know looking at it 30 years on it is interesting how that resulted in the on-screen dynamics between uh karen Ducat. that's all no it, it absolutely is and again it's just like the tension is there on so many levels of this guy's a war criminal but i kind of like him this guy is uh maybe a sex pest but i also kind of find him charming like that's but i have to like it keeps me from like okay like we just love this guy well you, you know there's some reasons to maybe hold back on that you know in, in all respects it's just a, it's an interesting tension where the 
you know, the paper meets life, you know? Yeah. Let's, let's get into talking a little bit more about Kira in this episode. And it's not anything super analytical, but it's just, oh, yeah, it you just be. want to talk about Kira. But first, <laughs> the more all, analytical it is, the more trouble we will get. So <laughs> well, fair. I just want to ask. So we talked earlier, uh, or at least off the microphone about <clears throat> dramatic villains. And like, it's just a classic Star Trek thing to have over the top dramatic villains. And so let me give you these four categories. Um, and I want to see if you can rank them either you can either rank them by most dramatic or just your preferred version of dramatic. So we've okay. got Q, obviously, uh, obviously. the Cardassians, obviously, the Romulans. Um, and just for funsies, I'm going to throw in uh, the Orion Syndicate from season three of Discovery. Um, I can't remember what her name was, like Larissa, Carissa, Carissa, something, Issa, but she was very, very dramatic. Um, right. And also, it's just having weird, like, sexual, but also non-sexual tension with different characters. So you got Q, Cardassians, the Romulans, and the Orion Syndicate from Discovery. Okay, well, I'm gonna just cancel off the Orion Syndicate from Discovery. Just for fun. Discovery, and you're telling me that the same, like, the Orion Syndicate uh, is in a Deep Space Nine episode. You're telling me that, like, hundreds of years later, it's the same, like. Well, the Orion Syndicate was from TOS. Okay, okay, so like, so it, so the Orion Syndicate, we last a thousand years. Like, we're just as, well, come on, get out of here. They're still, um, they're still being, uh, you know, being okay. Little villains, just being villains. Um, I'm gonna say number one, the Romulans. I, I okay. like their drama. I like, um, you know, I, I too am. Um, oh, Syra, that's what it was. Sorry, keep going. I too am, you know, like less emotive, more like a little, like you know, removed. But I, you know, I like a little, I like little flares of drama. You know, I like that. Sure, yeah. Um, and it's almost just like I just want to see what happens. Like, you just just want to just want to see it. Um, number two is the Cardassians. Um, you know, Ducat, the Cardassians, are like we want to send a representative on this expedition, but we, we're not going to say who. So it's like, ooh, who's it going to be? I wonder who it is. Is it the one Romulan or the, is it the one Cardassian that we know? And then it's the one, it oh, is yeah. the one Cardassian hey, we know. Look at that. Hello, yeah. it's his eye. Yeah. Legget Dukat. And it's like, he wants to beam directly onto the, <laughs> into ops. He beams directly in. Well, Major, I'm ready to go whenever you are. Like, okay, calm down. I mean, we know that. <laughs> all, dre- all dressed up, you know, yeah. all, where it's, Wearing hard bottom shoes, like what are we doing? Right I think now? the fact that DS Nine does not have a transporter room that we see in the entire series does allow for that extra flair of dramatic. So they love, they love. It is I, Ducats. Um, number number three, number three is Q. I don't. I uh, I'm not a fan. Whenever there's a Your Q episode, immune to his charms. I'm I'm Picard when it comes to Q. <laughs> I'm just like this motherfucker. If yeah. this campy ass, like you know, theater actor ass doesn't get out of here, you know, that's me. I, I not, mean, that's fair. I'm not. I'm not very. Ch- I know that it's going to be some annoying episode. They're going to oh, now they're you know, made marrying and blah blah blah. Get- I, Those I, the 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 episode with Q that I liked the most. I think was the one where Riker was in command. 
because Picard Picard was gone. I don't remember exactly like he's gone sometimes. But you know, Riker was in command, and Q was just like Riker. I could make you a god. And Riker's oh like, yeah, uh, no, oh that no, was like blah, a blah. season one, season two episode. That was early on, and it was just like sort of like fucking around Riker, and like would just disappear and be like, like you know something would happen and it wouldn't go yeah. well, and then he would just be like. Damn, I bet you wish uh, you'd talk to me, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and then disappear again. Like, I like oh, wait, wait, I like when he's just trolling. He yeah. just pops in to troll a little bit. When he comes in, and like, even in that episode, like, I think he he made, like, the bridge crew, like, mariachi or something. I'm like, okay, like, I don't need, I mean, I don't need this kind of thing. The best one is definitely when he loses his powers. Uh, he's like, <laughs> oh. Orf eat a good book lately? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, like, listen. I like when I like when he's in there roasting people. I don't like when he's doing like little parlor tricks. That's fair. That's fair. He's really, really good at roasting the girls. One copy, Tom. Blah blah blah. Like, okay, I don't need that. But if yeah. you're gonna be out here, be like, hey, Worf, look at you, you big fucking lug of of muscle and anger. Yeah. Okay. So can we just um, express the um, the amount of immense range of this podcast? And go from talking about Israel and Palestine to talking about how hot Kira is in this episode. Woo! You come to Tarek Noir, you're going to get a lot of things. You're going to get, you know, hard-hitting analysis, connecting to current yeah. events. But you're also going to get yeah. two people who are very attracted uh, to Kira's mission, uh, away mission uniform. Uh, so, you know, it happens. That's, um, is, my think- wife's always like, my wife's always intrigued when she walks by and it's like, oh, Kieran, the way out for it. Like, okay, three people. Like, that that's are my really favorite. Attracted. Yeah. <laughs> three people that are really attracted. Listen, here, here's what happens. Yes. This, the the episode opens. We have just like the weakest possible, like um, pre bumper little, you know, pre- thing. And like, yeah. what is this episode going to be like? Oh, we think we found somebody. Like, dun dun dun, you know, music plays. I'm like, okay, whatever. It's kind of whack. And then all of a sudden, the camera pans and Kira's got her fucking boots up on Odo's desk. And I was like, Oh, all of a sudden I sit up straight in my chair. Like, wait a second, what's going on? Just, she's just looking cool as hell. Like not really paying attention, you know, but just like, like she, she owns the place. Like that's like, this is, this is a great Kira um, episode. I think, I think for a lot of reasons, owning the place. For for so many reasons, it's a great Kira episode um, from start to finish, I think. But, you know, when she's in the runabout, like she, there's always a, a character that's like, well, I'm the one that's in command. You understand? It is me that's in command. But she's like, dude, sit your ass down. I got this. Like she, the way that she's like, I'm in command, but does it in a very just like cool, chill way of like, I'm not bothered by you don't worry i'm gonna pilot this shit i'm good like i don't know there's she has a command over her environment in the runabout that isn't um that is that is full of confidence you know that isn't lacking in confidence that isn't lacking in um yeah i don't know she just owns it yeah she's she's just so cool she's so cool um so cool and so and just and sexy you know yeah she is uh speaking of sexy let me just be uh uh very sapphic for a minute and the scene where she is when she and Dukat finds y'all and are like hey 
we got to work together. Um, and Kara says to Dakot, if you if you touch her, if you lay a hand on her, I will fucking end you. I will fucking kill you. The I don't know. There's just something about the way that she says it. She was in her away mission fit. The lighting was great. She just just hot i don't know i don't know why it was just incredibly hot in that scene just unbearable uh, she says if you hurt her i promise i'll kill you yeah just that's uh, yeah. yeah yeah that when she would uh you know when they're like we're gonna have a rough land in the planet like Dukat's like would you like me to pilot and she just looks over at him like fuck you bro like what are you like yeah. she's not even like she's not like oh I'm so offended that you would think that me is a bubble. Like she's she's not getting to that like whiny. She's just like, girl, like, like, like please, <laughs> like who the fuck are you talking to right now? <laughs> just absolutely incredible. Uh, God, I just uh, why couldn't they just have had one affair with a woman for Kara in this show? I know it's the no listen. And she has very even... bad taste in men. She is cool sometimes, and other times, she is not. This is one time where she is cool. It's other times, I say she is not. Like she, uh, you know, she could sometimes be a little bureaucrat. You know, like I'm just doing the work of the whatever, and then I just want to date my boring, powerful men. Uh, That's yeah. kind of tough. But then other times, she's like, "Listen, I promise, I'll I will kill you," and like you, and you believe that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Dukan must have been, like, when he was pointing the gun at y'all, he was like, huh, she did say that she was going to kill me, and the way that she looked at me leaves me terrified, so maybe I won't kill y'all. I don't think that he was terrified of her. I think it was... Definitely aroused! I think it was aroused. He was definitely aroused. I think he was definitely aroused. Listen, this is the... the, Rastian uniform has very tight trousers. This is the, um, like the most white man thing of when he was out there and she's like another cool Kira moment where he's like, Oh, do you need the codes like to get into the ship? And she's like, Oh my God, that was so good. It's like, Oh, you mean for like a military command codes from six years ago? Yeah. Already got him. And just like walks off and he, and he's looking at her like that's sexy because again, his misogynist racist little brain is like, there's no way a Bajor- like a Bajoran, a woman, they do something like smart because he's got such low expectations of these people. When they do something, he's like, wow, this is great. This is crazy. Yeah. I'm in love. You know, and that's like, I feel like there's a lot of men who are like, wait, this woman like is can like string three sentences together. I'm in love, you know, and it's like, uh, that's because you're like you have such low expectations because right. you're, you know, mm, 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 mm. yeah, yeah. Well then, uh, speaking of men, uh, what was your story about putting your foot in your mouth when it comes to you and Betsy? No, it wasn't. I didn't put my. F- oh, oh, it was just your big step would, conversation. Sorry, what was your? Yeah, big it was. No, it was just um, the. I think that we we sat and we watched the scene with with Cisco and Yates. Yes, and she was just like, uh, "Yeah, you would say some shit like that, you know, just like a thing." And then then be like, "What?" It's just like I'm just saying, 
Like it's a big step. It is a big step, you know, and not acknowledging, you know, whatever. And then, you know, I'm just, uh, you know, I don't know. It, it was just familiar. It, it was, uh, it felt familiar when I watched it by myself. It felt familiar when we watched <laughs> it together. Um, you know, I'm sorry, someone shoot me. I remind them of Benjamin Cisco. I mean, it's worse things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No, we didn't watch a scene with Ducat and be like, huh, that's reminiscent, you know? <laughs> okay, well, speaking of uh, favorite scenes in the episode, uh, mine was very much the It's a Big Step scene with Cisco, Dax, and Bashir. Like, what a great scene. The ending of the scene was just utter perfection. Like, it was just, yes, of course it had to end with Dax and Bashir being like, it is a big step. But the, like from the beginning, this was like you mentioned Simone Biles. This was a Simone Biles routine where then it's like, like you watch Simone, Simone Biles, which is like I love, like she is just it's incredible. Like it's you're just like this is this is insane yeah. what this person's doing. They do the flips, twists, turns. I don't know all the like and it's the, the language for it, but I know that I'm seeing something incredible. But the but then what she always does is she like sticks that landing so hard, just like foul. And that's the difference. Like, there's a lot of people who could do spins and flips, but they like can't quite land it the right way. And this was a Simone Biles routine. We've got, you know, what do you think? And it's Bashir. Then the camera pans and it's Dax. And the camera pans again. And it's fucking Quark. And, you know, people are getting it. Notice there's one person who wasn't there to give uh, Ben advice right. about equipment. <laughs> and it's like, hey, uh, hey, the chief is getting off soon. Okay, no, 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 no. let's get this in real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to. Um, and Quark gives his. Uh, psychotic speech and then and it's like okay like that's psychotic but it's also funny it's you know it's quirk and, and then have, like the reaction of ben just being like what the fuck yeah just like i i made a huge mistake and then for it to all pan back and then um so just between you you and me like what do you think it's a big step it's a yeah, really yeah. big step boom Perfect. and that was just that was the routine two, two feet planted two yeah. fists pointing in, in the sky yeah. Big smile on the face. Uh. <laughs> yeah, it's it's honestly like I yeah, I laughed. I laughed so hard at the end of it. Like I haven't seen the episode in a long time. And I don't know. It was, I I don't want to be like wild and be like it's one of my favorite scenes that I've seen in Star Trek in a while, but it might be one of my favorite scenes I've seen in Star Trek in a while. That's it's what I'm really saying good. about th this episode has this episode was just like one great scene after another great scene. Yeah. I want to give a shout out to uh the Mr. Reading Rainbow himself, Kuti Kente, was out here and just directed the shit out of this thing. Yeah, you know, it's got it's it moves real crisply. Like, you know, I know that you've got like your critique of like the moving too many locations. I can I can see that, but it it's um the there was really like nothing nothing happened in this episode. But it yeah. felt like it moved the whole time. Like there was good momentum to the episode anyway. Like it never felt like I was bored. Well, I um, mean, I, I also think that while yeah. like I didn't like that aspect, what they they did a good job of filling each of those scenes with tension, right? Because the you know, obviously yeah. the scene with Karen Ducat, there's so much tension there. And then when they meet up in the Badlands with the dude, there's tension between uh, the dude and Ducat and then Kieran Ducat and like so like that's the one I would have cut yeah that was that was my thing was that was, was the that one I would have cut mainly um yeah. but and then we don't we, 
who is this guy? Why do I care about this guy? I don't care about this guy. And then we get to the planet. We have the tension of Dukat crying over the grave of his mistress. Um, you've got Kira being a fucking boss with her. Oh, I got the codes. Oh, I can find them because of isotopes or whatever. Um, <laughs> and they go in a cave and the cave scene is great too. You know, so like there is a little bit of like moving around and not much happens, but there's always great tension and drama in each of those scenes, you know, so yeah. it does work. Yeah. No, in uh-huh. a way that's, be- that's better than the first half of Rogue One. You know, like they like they're able to they're able to jump, yeah. but make the but make each jump like a character development rather than just like you know something to try to remember. Like you know, you, all you need to know is these people are trying to find uh, uh, a person. Yeah. That's you know, and then they, they do that. So yeah, no, this scene the scene was this is what I'm saying about like the, these types of great episodes where it's just like that that's just a random. They just have like random, regular like sitcom type scenes. So they're they're doing something. They're just doing extra little things. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's very it's obviously so much quieter than the way the warrior how we started off. Then it, it is so much. It's not. I like those episodes too. Right, and yeah. point being is that you know it's very different from the way the warrior and the visitor, but it's still such a solid episode for so many different reasons, and like. You know, last week we, or last week, but last episode, you know, we talked about Hippocratic Oath. We talked about that, you know, stuff in there with O'Brien and Bashir. So far, they're off to a great start in season four, you know. Um, it's always season four. It's it's the, you know, it's the beard season. Uh, Picard would have been great if with another season. <laughs> the, the All all the Star Treks get their, uh, get fully going in season four. Yeah, and that's why, like... D&G got their best version of their uniforms in season four. Yeah, I I know you didn't watch season four of Discovery, but that's personally my favorite season of Discovery. Wait. Uh, Huh? I've I've seen all the seasons of Discovery. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, okay. We just had different... I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They they go through the galactic barrier, that that whole thing. Yeah, she's got her boyfriend, like, betrays her, then unbetrays her. Yeah, Yeah. we talked about it because, like, Oh, he's dead. No, he's not dead. Like they, they did thing. a Chewy and Rise of Skywalker, which yeah, I also... just just flailing. Yeah, flailing you, you have to kill a character, which is something that I keep on. Uh, I'm worried that I might have to kill a character in the novel I'm writing, and I don't want to have to kill him. Hey, uh, hey, but do it, do it. Everyone keeps on saying to do it, but I'm like, do it. I don't want to. Um, we could talk later about why, but I just don't want to. Um, but anyways, Matthew, what was your favorite scene in this episode? My favorite scene was closely after it was the Jake and Ben scene. Holy Great. shit! Great stuff. Holy shit, Jake! Like this might be. Listen, I know that you know you love the um. What's the episode? Is it the Visitor? Is that what it yeah. is? Yeah, like I like you love the visitor. This this to me is peak the peak Jake episode. <laughs> okay, this is, this is my favorite. This is my favorite Ben and Jake scene of of all of Deep Space Nine. I mean, definitely of what we've seen so far, it's pretty top tier. Like Jake is in such total control, and Ben Ben, who's always in control, is like holding on, like he's holding his his shit together. You know, Jake's just like, yeah, you know, like, you know, I'm thinking this, thinking that. And, and Ben's kind of like, okay, like, 
I hear what you're saying. Like it sounds pretty good. Like what? Like, but then he says like he was talking to Cassidy, which is like I'm not like wait, you were what? You know, like you're already on the defensive. Like Ben's already like backpedaling right now, but he's trying to hold it. He's trying to hold it together. And Jake's like, yeah, you know, you're doing this. It seems complicated, but I don't think it's complicated. I think it's like this. And you're just like, is my 17-year-old just reading me right now? And then it's like, yeah, so anyway, we were thinking about this. Who? Like, yeah, me and Nog, we were talking. Like, And and the way that Cisco's like, you talked to Nog about this? But he's like, had to hold, like, he's like, I can't blow up because I know that this kid's, this kid's just setting traps for me. And I have to, like, hold my shit together. And he really, like, laid this out to where I can't say anything. There's nothing I can do. I just have to sit here and take it. And then it's like, yeah, me and Nog, we were blah, blah, blah. And like, the horror. Could you imagine if you, you, a person, a private person such as Cisco, a person who maybe like, you know, he's not like, as far as we know, this is his his first lady friend on the station. You know, like he's trying to, he's trying to keep it cool. Dax is all up in his face about it, but it's Dax. And then, but fucking Nog, Nog, and like the horror. And then Jake just like finishing up. So anyway, what's up with you? Yeah, what's new with you? <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, pretty like great. if I were Jake, if I were Jake, I couldn't sleep for like three days. I'd be like running around the promenade <laughs> <laughs> in my in my tight little jumpsuit. Like, yeah, you should just like yeah, talk to me. We should have selected Jake as having a good episode because he just came in with the heat at the end. Um, but uh, which character did you, speaking of, which character did you have for having a good episode this week? Kira, you know, just yeah. ba- like just, just based on the hotness, you know? <laughs> okay, sure. I would say yeah. the hotness and just being a, she was just a badass throughout. She was. Uh, ironically, I had her as wanting a redo just because she... I don't become friends with it with the colonizer. It's like, well, okay, I, that didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. <laughs> she, <laughs> she got she got lost. In, she got lost in the sauce a little bit. Um, Cassidy, I think had a great episode. Uh, you know, the final scene with her and Cisco, like the whole like leaning, like Cisco's leaning in for a kiss, and Cassidy's just like, whoop, psych. Uh, it just goes on her ship, and she's like, BRB, see you later. Uh, just leaving Cisco with probably, frankly, blue balls uh, was just hysterical to me. Cisco, I have as wanting to redo just because he was dommed throughout the entire episode by literally everyone on the station. Every everyone on the station dommed this guy, including and fucking Dog. Like Dog, Dog, Dog. Cork is out here. Like Cork is out here. Like you don't know how to handle your hose. Yeah. Fucking Bashir is giving advice. Like I, I would, I would need to take. Like, listen, guys, I, like, I couldn't take it right away because I couldn't, like, show that I was defeated. But I would, like, I would stay at work for a week and then I, then I go for, like, I take four days off. Yeah. Take a vacation, regroup, uh, you know, recoup, uh, just do all. Listen listen to, listen to fucking self help tapes the whole way through. You know, you're a tiger, you're an animal, you're a blah, blah, blah. He's like, yes, I am. Stand stand in front of a mirror. Stand in front of in front of a mirror and lift weights, you know, like just do whatever it takes to try to come back to that station as the boss because everyone, oof, everyone. Just correct them. Uh I have uh, some straight thoughts that I want to get to uh that we haven't talked about already. Uh 
I think it's hilarious that Worf just had one scene as, um, uh, you know, a switchboard operator. Uh, is, yeah. Now, because he's in the show, they keep on being like, ah, fuck, we got to write him into scenes because we have to. And so he <laughs> just has one scene and like essentially two lines. Michael Dorn had to sit through like six hours of makeup for that shit. I also love that because it's Worf, he's like, um, hey, uh, Bill called for you. He says he's your friend. Like, like, why would he like like what what reason does Worf have to like not trust this guy? But right. Worf's just like he alleges. <laughs> like allegedly. Yeah, just really funny. Uh Dax incredible in this episode as well. Um, I love her as just messy meddler. Uh yeah. and like from the first scene with her and Cisco, she's just like, oh, interesting. Hmm. Huh, I guess she is serious about you. Huh. Isn't that fascinating? Hmm, hmm. Uh no, she is 100 percent in this messy bitch phase. Like, this is her, this is my favorite Dax era. 100 percent She just like holds her hands behind her. Yeah. You know, and just like gl- like glides. Like it, like, you know, you always just see her upper body, but I don't imagine her feet like lifting and and yeah. landing. I just imagine her just like whisking through yeah like she's almost on one of those uh what are those called the uh from you know from like 15 years ago when people would get on them and you just kind of like glide yeah, through the, the... job job would have one from arrested development what are those yeah i know uh, you, know what I'm t- you know what i'm talking about yeah, I, I know i just can't think of the name it's something stupid i can't i, I can't believe yeah, it can't this is the name. but anyways she's just like gliding she's <laughs> gliding around like walking into a place and she always does her little cute like Mm-hmm. She like purses her lips, like mm-hmm. you know, walks right out. She's so messy. Yeah, um, it's a, a something way. It's a segue. It's a segue. Yeah. Oh my god. Speaking of segue, we did it. We figured it out. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Dax. I I I love Dax, and she continues to be amazing. And just her, like, it's. I think it's such a great mixture of uh well speaking of relationships like it is just a testament to the relationship that dax and cisco have where she's like being his bro but also like being a messy bitch bro at the same time i don't know it's great yeah uh, no, they, great. they are they're very cute together very cute uh we've already talked about marco lemos acting uh kira's fit and also the star wars fit uh one last straight thought that i have um Ducat hugging Zial right after aiming a rifle at her heart. I don't know. I would have been like, "Hey, let's just let's just let's 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 just more Cardassian drama." He was never going to shoot. Like he may have wondered if he would shoot her or whatever. But again, he's there with Kira. He knows that. Like, if his whole thing is politically, I can't have yeah this like bastard child, but like. If Kira knows about it, then it's the same. Like, then now all of a sudden you don't have just have a bastard child, but you have a bastard child that you murdered and everyone knows it. Yeah, like, exactly. he was never he was never going to kill Zial. Um, and Kira even called him out on it. Like, if you really wanted to do this, you wouldn't have fucking told me that you were going to do it. You know, like she was like, "Oh, you're trying to reunite." He's like, "Actually, I'm trying to murder." <laughs> like, yeah, I'm trying to do a murder. That's what I'm saying. It's like. That's that's just more drama. That's like, oh, we got we got this drama going, and so for him to like 
I'm pointing the gun. Then I drop it and and break down with emotion and and love and oh, go yeah. to hug you. Like, um, I have a final stray thought. Go ahead. Here is a real killer. Okay. The way that she the way that she went through that little camp, I was just like blah 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 blah, blah like taking people out. Like it wasn't like it wasn't a thing. What she the? wasn't like, oh wow, I just killed. Like she was just like, bing 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 bing. Yeah, she's All right, let's move. Not like not giving it a second thought. All kinds of dead brain just frying in the the heat. Speaking of the first appearance of the brain in Star Trek, uh, they've been mentioned numerous times, both in DS9 and in TNG, as an enemy of the Federation. But this is the first time we quote unquote see them. Um, but uh, they didn't really have enough time to think through what the brain would look like. So they're like, put masks on them. And there you go. New alien species that we don't really have to like fully identify what their aesthetic is just because we put masks on them. So worked out. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, there you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about the uh, famous, infamous classic episode, Rejoined. Uh, which is when uh, uh, a former, or uh, let's see, uh, the new host of the wife of Dax's former host, Tarias, uh, comes to the station and, uh, you know. Do you want this to just be of love? Do you want this just to be a a solo pod or what? (laughs) As if this didn't have an impact on you in your childhood? Um. Well, it doesn't. It didn't have the impact on me in my childhood that it that it has on you right now. I haven't even seen the episode in so many years. I can't remember. Like, I mean, I, I obviously I remember what happens. Uh, I'm just saying that given, he remembers what happens. I'm just saying, given uh, you know your your narratives and you know fan fix. This is. I mean, okay. I don't think that I really. I don't, it's, it's right there on the screen. I don't think that this I, one is. Yes. This is on the screen. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying like, you're so desperate that you draw things out where they're, where they're not. Yes. And this time it's here yes. in the text yes. on the screen. I won. So that's what I'm saying. Like, should I just not even be here? Like, Nope. You're not going to be able to get out of doing the pod that easily. Are you going to put, are you going to put like an explicit rating on this one? Like, listen, so we need to give a warning to the beginning, like uh, like they do oh, in the podcast. God. <laughs> Eyes plopping out, tongue rolls down, rolls back up. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm quite sure we'll be able to have a very adult conversation. It just <laughs> I'm sure it's gonna be very adult. An XXX rated adult conversation. <laughs> very, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what you God. what you see on the screen is. It's enticing what you don't is even more. <laughs> like, uh, but also, yes. Uh, you know, it was the 90s. Uh, we had to accept whatever they gave us, I guess, unfortunately. Whatever you were like eight. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't think that I pr- I don't think that mom and dad showed us this episode when we were kids. I saw this episode. We just got tapes back. Yeah. 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 But we it's not like they watched the tape and then gave us the tape. We all oh, that's true. Tape. Yeah, that's true. They didn't do that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't remember it. My well, loss. You were so, you were, it was before your time. 
It was before my time. Fuck off. All right. It was a. Uh, really yeah. stocky clamps and pilot hearts up. Little ship away from Tentacle. <laughs> I appreciate you giving it a five star rating and a glowing review. Thank you all for listening. We hope you join us next week. But until then, walk with the profits, child. Bye.